Welcome to the Larry Crawford Leadership Podcast, a podcast designed to come alongside you and help you become the leader you were created to be. I'm excited about the topic of this episode, but even more excited to have for the very first time my bride, Wendy, with me. Wendy, why don't you say hello and share a little bit? Hey, it's an honor to be with you today to share with our listeners just a little bit of how the Lord brought us to where we are today. Now, we're actually going to talk about our journey. Uh, People often look at things now and how did you get there? Literally, the title of this is Leading Through a Miracle, Uncut, Uncensored, Raw, and Real. Wendy's going to ask some questions, and then together, we're going to answer and share our journey in hopes that it will be an encouragement, a strength, but also will be faith building for you to walk in the miracle that God created you to walk in. So one of the questions we get asked often is how did you go from a church home to a small storefront to a large storefront to a 60 acre, six building campus? We get asked that question a lot, you know, and what happens is a lot of people see uh, that we're on this campus right now, the 60 acre, six building campus. And they think, man, how in the world? And when we tell them we started in a home, we started in Kevin Sherling Wolf's home, just, just Kevin Sherling, you and I, uh, they're amazed. They're, they're, it's just how in the world did you go from that to this? Well, there's, there's one, one word answer, and that's God. Absolutely. I mean, God did it. But there are things that as leaders that God calls us to do in order to walk in the miracle. And as leaders, in order to leaders lead, in order to lead through the miracle. And, and so what often happens is leaders will come and they'll say, wow, this is awesome. But they're thinking, well, I don't have what you have, so I can't do what you do. Or they'll think, well, that's there and I'm here. God surely can't do that here. But I want to tell you something. Yes, God can. God has called you as a leader to lead in the miraculous so that you also can walk in miracles for God's glory. Yes. Now, can you define for us a miracle? Yeah, we talk about what a miracle is, and I'm sure there are different definitions, but uh, one of, you know, we'll hashtag walking in a miracle. We'll talk about the miracles in the miracle. But what is a miracle? To me, a miracle very simply defined is this, something humanly impossible that becomes a reality, something humanly impossible. In other words, we cannot do it in and of ourselves. But it becomes a reality. It's something that is humanly impossible, but is Him, capital H-I-M, God, Him possible. And for many, when they, when they hear about miracles, they think, oh, that's got to be a, a fantasy or that's got to be a dream. But the truth is, God is a miracle-working God, and He still works miracles today. We, we read the miracles in the Bible, and we stand amazed at them. Yes. But what we got to realize is they were ordinary people just like us. And that God calls us to walk in miracles as well. I I remember as a young pastor, I had shared a vision about a sports ministry that God put in my heart, my spirit, that we would someday have a family life center, a gymnasium, where we would have a sports ministry that literally would bring people in through sports. That That would be what would bring them in. And then through that, they would get saved. They would know Christ. They would experience salvation. They would experience healing. They would experience 
the miraculous. And I remember an older gentleman picking me up one day, and here I was, a young pastor, and he picked me up and wanted me to go for a ride with him. And he said, you know, he said, Larry, there there are two types of people. There are dreamers and there are visionaries. And he said, dreamers are people that dream about this, dream about that, but nothing ever happens. And then there are visionaries who cast a vision and then it happens. And what he was saying was he thought I was a dreamer. He thought I was a dreamer and that I was just saying something that sounded good, but nothing would ever come of it. But I, I reflected on that and I held on to what God had put in my heart. Now, at the same time that was happening, little did I know that one of our leaders, Mike Robbins, who I didn't know at the time, was uh, somewhere else in a different part of the state and was involved in a sports ministry, very much like the vision that God had given me to put in the church and lo and behold, years later, God, we had, God had us plant a church. God brought Mike and his wife, Amanda, in. Mike leads our sports ministry now. And some of, just some, because we're not quite there yet. We've got a, we've got a g- college gymnasium. We've got a field house. We've got a baseball field. We've got two soccer fields. Uh, we've got all these things going on. But already that ministry has started years ago. And now we're seeing it develop into the very vision that God gave. I love that God gave you that dream years ago and that you held on to that. I think sometimes, you know, God puts things in us uh, that are his desires for us to fulfill later and that we just got to keep keep those things in the forefront and don't let people detour us from doing what God's called us to do. In uh, Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint but happy is he who keeps the law. You know, this is powerful because a lot of people don't understand this, but, you know, some translations say where there's no vision, the people perish, they cast off restraint. The word vision there literally means a revelation. Yes. It means a word from God. Uh, a word from God, if, if people don't have a word from God, they, they lose hope. If people don't have a word from God, then uh, they have nothing to look forward to. The impossible is very impossible. Mm-hmm. But... As we'll share here, a few principles as we go through today and and next month. First of all, leading through a miracle requires creating an atmosphere for the miraculous or or being in in an atmosphere for the miraculous. And there are two things that happen there. One's a situation. Uh, The world's full of situations. People are in need of miracles. We hear it all the time. Oh, my gosh, we need a miracle. This is going to take a miracle. Maybe it's a sickness someone's battling this terminal. Maybe it's a relationship that seems... Uh, what we call irreconcilable differences. Well, God, God can reconcile anything, but maybe it needs a miracle. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a business. Whatever it is, situ- the world's full of situations where people need a miracle. The second part of that is, is a word from God. Where there is no revelation, where there's no vision, where there's no word from God, people, well, they give up. They cast off restraint. They, they perish. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is after Jesus fed the 5,000 men, women, and children, with a little boy's lunch, and then he had over 12 basketfuls left over. He puts the disciples in the boat. He goes up to pray to the Father. Middle of the night, there's a storm. You've got Peter, Andrew, James, and John, experienced fishermen. They're on a boat. There's a storm, and all of a sudden, a figure comes walking across, scared them almost to death. That would scare us too, though. I'm sure it would. And then all of a sudden they realize it's the Lord. And and then Peter says, Lord, if it's you, and and when you study this in the original language, I remember learning this in college, it could just as easily be translated, Lord, since it's you, tell me to come. And here's the key. Jesus says to Peter one word, come, come. 
He asked Peter to step out of the boat, which was Peter's comfort zone. He was a fisherman. That's where he lived his life at, which is where he made his living. But he asked him to step out of the boat and step into something that was impossible in the midst of a storm. So not only was it walking on water, it was walking on water in the midst of a storm, which it doesn't matter which way it is because it's humanly impossible to walk on water. But Peter steps out, and for a moment, as he kept his eyes on Jesus and he kept his eye on that word, that revelation, he did the impossible. Out of all the disciples in the boat, Peter's the only one that stepped out. I remember as a child, and I've shared this with you many times, and then I heard this throughout my youth and throughout my adulthood. God spoke to me as a child the very first time and said, Son, the only thing that can keep me from doing what I want to do in you and through you is you. The only thing that can keep me from doing what I want to do in you and through you is you. Again, as I mentioned, the world's full of atmospheres needing the miraculous. And Jesus gives us an invitation to join him. And that's simply what we've done. Yes. We've joined, Jesus said, plant a church in Lincoln. We said, okay. Plant a local church with global impact. We said, okay. And here we are, 16 years of continuous growth. And we'll talk about that in our next session. But it's amazing. It's, it, 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 it's a miracle. It absolutely is. Um, we also often hear people say, God did a miracle. And then we hear other people say, I have never experienced a miracle. Do we play a part in the miracle God does? And if so, what does he require of us? I love these questions here because people will say that, well, God did a miracle and, you know, or, you know, uh, or the, I've never seen a miracle. And, and yet uh, it brings us to this next principle of leading through a miracle. Uh, number two, leading through a miracle always, always, always requires a step of faith or really steps of faith, but it's always that first step that's the hardest. I, I would imagine uh, for Peter, once he took the first step out of the boat on the water, that was the hardest, but then continuing to walk, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, it's like, hey, I've got this down. It's like riding a bike or something, right? Until he looked away from the Lord. And so it's that first step. And uh, the miraculous happens when we step into the unknown and what is risky. Another favorite story of mine in the Bible is Joshua, the book of Joshua. Every time God gets ready to do something miraculous in my life, he always takes me back to the book of Joshua. And at the beginning of that book, Joshua had been under Moses for 39 years. He'd been watching him as a leader, growing as a leader. He, he saw Moses go to the mountain. He saw Moses fast 40 days and 40 nights, come back down, go up again, do it all over again. He saw the fire. He saw the smoke. He saw the Ten Commandments. He saw Moses go into the tent, the tabernacle of meeting, come out just glowing with radiance from God. He saw all these things happen. He experienced the miraculous, but now Moses is dead. And God comes to Joshua and he says, Moses, my servant is dead, now you. And that's what God is saying to some of you leaders right now. Listen, it's time for you to lead. Every place the sole of your foot shall touch, I will give you. But you you got to take you got to take a step. And over and over again, he said this phrase, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And I remember when Kevin and Charlene opened up their home here in Lincoln in Chesterville Township. That was a step of faith. Yes, it was. I remember starting the church while working 60 to 70 hours a week at another job. Uh, I remember the challenges of starting the church with little kids. I mean, share, because this is real, this is raw, this is uncensored, this is unedited. Hey, listen, everybody likes to get in the mirror at the end when it's going on, but what does it take to get there? A lot of people don't see that. What was it like 
from a mom's perspective and also from one that was right there beside me, pastoring and partnering in ministry, what was it like to have little kids in the midst of taking a step of faith in a miracle? Well, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> I will say that. Um, never being really in full-time ministry, I had no idea what we were beginning to step into. Um, no, we did not start in full-time ministry right off. Uh, Larry was still working 60 to 70 hours a week. I had been a stay-at-home mom for the most part. Um, but, you know, it presented some challenges uh, because uh, a couple years in, Larry did step away from working out outside of the ministry. church. He yeah. was just fully full-time, you know, and there were some weeks that it was, you know, challenging to put food on the table and different things like that, you know, but God always provided and, yes. and, uh, we never, we never went without, and, and we stood, we stood faithful in what we were doing because we knew God had called us to it. But as far as like the raising the kids, I think it's so important for them to see that we are faithful and what God has called us to do. Um, and even when the struggles do, do come up or they arise, um, that our faith doesn't waver, uh, that we know that God has called us to what we are doing and that um, he has always provided and that he will always provide. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy, but it is worth it. Amen. Um, that when you were in the in the will of God and walking in what God has called you to, um, there is so much fruit that comes out of that uh, for your community um, and also for your family. Yes. You know, that, that they see the steadfastness in that, you know, and that you are leaving behind a legacy for them. So um, I think it is, you know, it's very re rewarding. It is very rewarding. And we are leaving a legacy and we, we're, leave, we're leaving them something they can build upon for what God's called them to do. Because one of the things that we always pray is that our kids will accomplish far more than we've ever accomplished for God. Yes. And that they'll become everything that God created them to be. And we pray that and speak that over them and speak that to them. But I think back to some of the stories we have, they're kind of funny and what we did, I mean, we, when we moved from the Wolf's home into the dry cleaners and uh, we were, uh, you were leading worship. Of course, even the Wolf's home, you were leading worship because you were the one that could sing out of the four of us. I mean, if anybody's heard me sing, they know that I can't sing, especially recently you heard that. But uh, they, uh, we, you would lead worship and I would be holding Elijah, who was, who was a month old, a month old at that time. Right. Yes. So it wasn't in the nursery yet. We were getting close to that time. And and uh, you would finish leading worship, walk off the stage, and I would literally hand him to you. I went up to preach. Yeah. And then I would preach, and then you would come back up for the ministry time, the altar call, and so you would hand him off to somebody, uh, or else I would hold him while I was given the altar call. And uh, the memories of that, you know, and, and just so many things, uh, taking a step of faith. And, you know, people, the reason I say that is this. A lot of people say, well, I got to wait till my kids get older. Or I can't do it because of this. And we come up with all these reasons and excuses why. And like you said, ignorance is bliss. If you looked at it in the natural, you'd say, well, this is probably not the smartest time to do this. But it was. And we'll get into timing later because God's timing is always the right time. Yes. And what I want to encourage you is that wherever you're at right now in life, God's calling you to take a step of faith. As a leader, not only is God calling you to take a step of faith for your family, for yourself, for your family, but he's calling you as a leader to take a step of faith, which will impact those you are leading. And I love this next question. It's a good segue into this next point here, because here's what people often ask us this. Yeah, people often ask. Um, or they at least think it if they're not asking it. <laughs> right. Yeah, they often think or ask, what if it doesn't work? Are you afraid to fail? 
What if it doesn't work? You know what I've learned to say to that? I, I've always, I, I come back with another question and people say, well, what if it doesn't work? I say, well, what if it does? Yeah. What if it does work? Imagine the impact if it works. And you see, the, the third principle that we want to share here today is leading through a miracle means you have to be willing to fail in order to succeed. And, and the truth is you will fail. And we've experienced things that didn't go exactly the way we expected them to go. And uh, you're, you're going to experience that. Uh, Peter experienced a miracle when he walked on water, but then shortly thereafter, he experienced failure because he took his eyes off Jesus and he, his humanness came out and he got caught up his mind into what was around him instead of who was with him. And, and that's what happens with us. You know, recently we, um, just stepped from the second storefront, which was a very large storefront. By the way, we went from a home, an A-frame home to 4,700 square feet to 11,777 square feet to a 60-acre, six-building campus. So we just made the transition from an 11,777 square feet this last year to the campus. And what we did is we were in a lease, and we were able to get out of the lease early and close that lease because at 813 Woodlawn, because we wanted to make sure that everybody understood. Well, what if we fail? At least we can go back to that. No, no, no. We're closing that door. Mm-hmm. That no Egypt no longer exists for us. And so we had to take a step and be willing to fail in order to succeed. Now, that leads to the fourth principle, and uh, you got a question for us there. I want to I take time and answer. Yeah. How do, you, how do you lead in a miracle when people constantly remind you how impossible it is? Now, this did, didn't start with the campus. Uh, this brings us to the fourth principle. Leading through a miracle means overcoming the voices of doubt, discouragement, and unbelief. Leading through a miracle means overcoming the voices of doubt, discouragement. Really, you could say criticism, uh, unbelief. And, you know, people told me whenever God said, plant the church in Lincoln. And we were actually looking at planting a church in Bloomington Normal, which is Twin Cities, 100,000 plus people. We were looking at praying about planting a church in West Georgia or helping our friends down there and just really helping expand their ministry. And God said, no, I want you to plant a church in Lincoln, Illinois. He told me one morning, remember I called you? I said, you're not going to believe what God said. And uh, then later that day, Charlene, the couple that started with us, Kevin Charlene, called me from State Farm where she worked and said the exact same thing. Yes. And I told her to hang up and call you right away because God had spoken the same thing. And then we spent time praying and fasting. But I remember what people said. They said, Larry, a Bible-believing, spirit-filled church will not succeed in Lincoln, Illinois. And you're not good enough or gifted enough to pastor it. Remember that? I do remember that. And several people said that and, and said it over time. But I knew what God said. And I knew it wasn't up to me. It was just up to you and I doing what God said and being faithful to what he said and that God would do the impossible because that's what a miracle is. In 16 years, we've seen God grow the church every single year, numerically, spiritually, financially, and obviously expanded ground-wise to something that's just unbelievable. We prayed for 10 acres plus for a long time. We we had things happen, and we'll share more about that. But now, now God has done this miracle. The reason I share this with you as a leader is I want to encourage you. You're going to hear all kinds of people tell you why you can't do what God has called you to do. Look at the Bible. They laughed at Noah. They laughed at Moses. They laughed at Joshua. They rebelled against Joshua and, and Moses. They rebelled against Caleb. They rebelled against God's leaders throughout history. But the people, the leaders that held on to the Word of God, Instead of the words of people, 
The leaders that held on and said, you know what? God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I'm going to stand on it no matter what. Those people saw God move miraculously, and, and we've certainly seen that. But it, it requires more than that. It absolutely does. It requires that uh, we got to be willing to make a sacrifice. Number five, leading through a miracle requires sacrifice. Uh, my friend John Maxwell says, people say, I want to do what you're doing. And he said, always ask them, I understand you want to do what I'm doing, but are you willing to do what I've done? Mm-hmm. Everybody That's wants good. the, isn't that good? It's so good that he shares it. Everybody wants to be in the miracle. Oh my gosh, look at this. This is amazing. I want to do this. Well, that's why we're sharing this raw, unedited, uncensored podcast, because there's a lot of things that happened to get to where we're at today, and God's the one that did it, but it also did require sacrifice on our part. You talked earlier about me working 60-plus hours a week at Layman's when we planted the church, and uh, you know I was working at a job where I was very successful as the top salesperson and uh, then top internet salesperson as well. And making six-digit plus income had the potential, had the opportunity to go into management, which would have put me into a whole different, <clears throat> excuse me, a whole different uh, level of income, quarter of a million a year. I mean, it's unlimited potential in that industry. And yet, God says, "I want you to plant a church." And then God says, "I want you to walk away from that." And then you were you were at home for a while, but then you were working, mm-hmm. waitressing, yes. uh, to go, and also going to school at the same time in order mm-hmm. to do hair. And we went through all those things, and and we cashed in our 401k, which goes against every financial uh, advisor will tell you never do. I remember the lady told me, I called her, and I said, what do you think about this? And she said, you'll never get it back. (laughs) And I said, I knew you were going to say that, but I said, you know what? I got to do what God said, and I just trust that God's going to do it. And we sacrificed. But talk a little bit, talk a little bit, Wendy, about the sacrifices that were made and then what came as a result of those sacrifices. Well, I'll just back up just a moment. Um, as Larry shared, he was at Layman's, and then we really felt, and we were doing ministry during that time. And, you know, we were doing late nights, printing Boltons. Boltons, that's back when, Man, you know, we that. did those. Pulling and those up on Saturday <laughs> night at midnight, 1 o'clock in the so, morning. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, doing that. But uh, the time came that he said, I feel like, it's time to step into full-time ministry. And I was excited. I'm like, let's do it. Let's go. Um, <laughs> we actually, you know, one thing we did too, part of the sacrifice is we went on a long fast and uh, before we made the decision just yes. to make sure we were hearing God. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was excited and I was like, let's do this. So we had a date set. It it arrived and um, I think it was probably the next month of doing bills. I said, this is not going to work. Um, with me staying at home because I've been a stay-at-home mom, you know, for all those, all Which those was years. Amazing to be able to it was great, kids. and I'm yes. so thankful I had that time. But um, I knew I had to get a job. So, uh, full-time ministry starting out definitely does not does not pay that six-figure income. Uh, so don't be still expecting <laughs> the glam. No, it still doesn't. Do not be expecting a, a glam and a full wallet uh, with stepping into full-time ministry because that's really not what it's about. It's about uh, winning souls. But also, uh, we did want to be able to provide for our family. So I did start waitressing and uh, did that for a couple years at, at night. Now, listen, let me say something about that because Wendy won't say this. The sacrifice she made also going to school, her dream was to do hair, to become a, um, 
what's the proper the term? Stylist, cosmetologist. Stylist, cosmetologist. And uh, I wanted to see that dream come to pass. We started that and then found out we were pregnant and then waited till we were done having babies. And so uh, the time came for that as well. So we're doing all this at one. I mean, this is crazy, right? This is this is crazy stuff right here, right? But the sacrifice that she made. So what would happen was is I would be working in, in ministry during the day. I would come home at night and work from home. She would go to school. Uh, several almost every night of the week go to school and then on the weekend she was waitressing and she would waitress uh, from the evening all the way to one two in the morning uh, I always think of the one Sunday that Wendy Wendy led worship too I think of the one Sunday that we're you know we live in Atlanta and the church in Lincoln which is about 15 minutes 20 minutes away and or 10 minutes 10 15 20 minutes and we were uh, ready to start church and she wasn't there and she had worked to like three or something in the morning and did not wake up, and I called, and she didn't answer, and, and she literally, that was probably the only Sunday you missed, but you missed church. <laughs> yeah, and you're probably thinking, uh, where was she working that late at night? It was not a bar. No, it was steak and It was steak and shake. It um, was steak and shake, that's I, 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 had, uh, I had told him the only place that I could work that uh, didn't serve alcohol that would accommodate the hours that I needed to work was steak and shake. So that's where I worked for three and a half years yes. uh, while I was still uh, being a mom, doing ministry, and I went to cosmetology wife, school. I mean, we had to make time for each other, and uh, sometimes it meant uh, wee hours in the morning. Uh, it, it was crazy. I mean, so what I want you to the reason we say this, I'm not, we're not saying this so you pat us on the back, Absolutely okay? Absolutely not. The reason I'm saying this is you need to understand as a leader that in order to lead through a miracle, it requires sacrifice. And honestly, the, the greater the miracle, I think the greater the sacrifice. Uh, the greatest sacrifice that's ever happened is God sent His Son Jesus to die for us. And that resulted in the greatest miracle that will ever happen, and that is salvation through Jesus Christ. But God calls us to lead, and to lead by example, and to lead by sacrifice. Um, this next question is critical. We, we're, we're starting to run out of time here, so we, we just go, we'll go just a couple more here, and then we'll come back part two next month. But this next question, go ahead. Yeah, how important is, it, important is it to have the right people around you? How do you know if you have the right people around you? That is an important question, and um, we uh, want to answer that, and I uh, want to talk about uh, leading through a miracle uh, requires... Uh, having the right people around you, for sure. Uh, people that uh, believe in the vision and uh, people that it's important that as you're leading through a miracle requires surrounding yourself with people who believe in the vision and are willing to fight for it. And, uh, you know, as my friend John Maxwell often says, people want to make a difference doing something that makes a difference with the people who are making a difference at a time when it makes a difference. And so it is critical that as a leader, now here's what God does. God raises up a man or a woman. God raises up a leader, gives them a burden and gives them a vision. And then he raises up other leaders around them that will come and hold their arms up, support them, who will catch the vision and who will become carriers of the vision and who also will become casters of the vision. That's good. And then as they cast the vision, the people that come, that God draws in, they become vision carriers and they carry the vision. And, and so it's critical. Uh, I, I think back to what one of our elders said, uh, Dan Turner, when we were in the midst of this last move we just made, and he said this, if we don't do this, we are missing God. Uh, we were with all of our staff, all of our leaders, elders and deacons, praying about this miracle that we're in right now and looking at what was impossible. It, there, it, there's no way in the natural. It didn't make sense. But God made a way where there was no way. 
God did a miracle. That's, that's, what, that's what God does. Amen. You know, uh, we also had uh, one of our other leaders, uh, actually I had a lot of our leaders just text and say, hey, pastor, uh, we're with you in this. We're with you 100%. We know this is God. And I can't tell you how important it is to have people around you, leaders and others around you, who will speak faith, who hear God's voice, and who will stand with the vision and run with it. Uh, one, one brother in our church, uh, Steve Sloan, uh, he said, you know, when people see your belief in the vision, it's easier for us to believe in the vision. When we see your belief in the vision. And so as, as leaders, uh, it's so important that we surround ourselves with people who have caught the, vi- the visions from God, but he gives it to an individual. But then he raises up leaders around them who grab that vision and who run with it and become vision carriers and vision casters. And then you have a whole church or a whole team of people that are running with the vision. Well, there's, there's two more things I want to share before we close up today. And I want to talk about uh, timing. You got a good question about that. Yes. What does timing have to do with walking in a miracle? And what does it mean to wait on the Lord? Timing means everything. Leading through a miracle uh, requires these next two things, uh, number seven and number eight. Leading through a miracle requires hard work. Uh, a lot of people uh, want to see the miracle. They want to be in the miracle, but it requires hard work. And, and you know, uh, I love what I'm doing, so it's easy to do it, but I work a lot of hours. You work a lot of hours. You, Wendy does hair, plus does ministry. Uh, we as a family do ministry. We have so many people in the church that labor. We've got the most amazing staff there is and leadership uh, that labor and put in so much, uh, so many hours and so much hard work. But leading through a miracle requires hard work. I remember a brother told me as we stepped into this, as we were stepping into this miracle, he said, you know, he said, I know you work sometimes 12 hours or better a day. He said, there's going to be a season where you're going to be putting in 15, 16, 17 hours, maybe 18 hours someday. And he wasn't lying. He was not. <laughs> he was not lying. And, and people say, well, how do you do it? Uh, how do you, how do you not, how do you not quit? How do you not get so tired? You can't do it. And honestly, it's, and we'll talk about that later, but it's really, uh, the consistent discipline of the relationship with Jesus Christ of spending time in the word, time in worship, time in prayer, time fasting and time waiting on the Lord. And, and that's the last one. Number eight, we're going to talk about today on this part is leading through a miracle requires waiting on God, his timing. Don't get in a hurry. If you get in a hurry, you'll step into the wrong thing. Or you'll step into the right thing at the wrong time, which can be just as disastrous. I remember years ago, God spoke to me about this campus and said, I want to do something with open arms on the campus. And I thought it, Wendy, you remember, I thought it was, I only told you and one other person, I thought it was the craziest thing in the world. It made no sense to me at all. And then here we are years later, and we'll tell you the story next, next month of how we got to where we're at. But there were other opportunities. We, we looked at every building in this community. Not only that, we looked at every uh, bit of land that was available. Uh, we even had some acreage. Uh, well, it was supposed to be been 12 acres, and we found out it was less. And we had put down a deposit. We were ready to you know, close on the land. And I was coming back from a mission trip from Africa, and I think I was in Amsterdam, and I got a call from the gentleman that was going to do the Alta survey. And he said, Larry, I'm sorry to call you and tell you this, but he said over 50% of the land you're looking to purchase is uh, basically flood level. Right. Right. Uh, or floodplain or whatever they call it. And it was, you can't build on it. You'd have to build the land up, spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, do all this. And so you can imagine as a leader coming back and sharing with our team, our staff, our leaders, and then our congregation, 
that what we thought was going to, you know, be the place fell through. But you know what? That was God's hand. Absolutely. Because had we been entangled in that, in the midst of that, and then everything that happened in 2020, and then the university opening up, we would have never been able to step into the miracle that God had spoken years ago that I thought was absolutely ridiculous. You know, that's, I want to share some closing thoughts. Uh, and then next month, we'll share more about the miracle we're walking in and get a little more specific. But, you know, when you think about what God has done, and, you know, when you think about the miracle uh, that God has done, the reason I share that is, is because when God calls you to do something as a leader, read the stories in the Bible and see, here's the thing. We have the whole story so we can, or we read uh, autobiographies or biographies of people that have done great things, uh, whether it's Dietrich Bonhoeffer or Dwight L. Moody or Billy Graham or Jack Hayford or all these amazing people that have done phenomenal things. And we read their whole story and then we're like, oh, that makes sense. You know, yeah, of course they did that. But what we don't realize is, is they walk through uh, the, all this stuff to get to that point. And, and when, when God first spoke to them, when God gives you a God idea, something that is miraculous, to the world it's going to sound crazy. Even to some church folks, it's going to sound ridiculous. Even in your own mind, you're going to wrestle with it. But yet when God calls you to do something miraculous, God's in it and God backs it. And uh, I, I'm just amazed at what God has done and what he is doing. But I'm also amazed at what's ahead because I still know the best is yet to come. Amen. Share some of your thoughts on, on just wrapping up, you know, this, this episode. Yeah. You know, I think my one thought that I'd like to leave with you, uh, kind of goes back to uh, one of our questions that are, is, aren't you afraid to fail? Um, you know, Larry was just sharing with you about how we had this property that we really thought we were about to step into, uh, purchase, and, and build a facility on. And uh, whenever we found out that that wasn't going to happen for a moment, it feels like, okay, this is a fail, you know, but hindsight is 2020. It wasn't a fail. It was God protecting us and closing that door yes. from stepping into something that wasn't the right situation. So I just want to encourage you that if you've hit roadblocks or if you've hit walls that seem like, okay, this is good. Uh, you know, that this is, this is a fail. Um, it, don't don't look at it that way. It, right. it may be God's hand of protection upon you, keeping you from stepping into something that isn't his will for you at this time in this season in your life or in this this journey in your life. So um, just just continue to pray fast and seek him um, and he will open the right door for you at the right time. Amen. That is so good. That is so good. Listen, we've got to end this episode. We've gone a little longer than normal. Thanks for hanging with us a little bit longer. And if this has been helpful to you, uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, please, we're, we're new to this. Uh, we would love for you to rate it. We would love for you to share it, uh, tell your friends about it, get the word out. But also, if you have questions about the miracle that we're walking in, we would love to answer those questions. Now, I've got a, a list of questions that we're going to cover in our next episode. Uh, what do you believe is the key to 16 years of continuous growth numerically and spiritually? Most places don't experience that. So what's the key? We're going to share that. Did God really tell you, uh, if you share the vision, that he would bring a million dollars in in just a few months? And you know what? God did that. God brought a million dollars in, said, don't do a campaign, just share the vision. People thought I was crazy. It, didn't, it made no sense in the natural. But God did just that. And so we'll talk about that. And, you know, uh, so many other things, so many other things that we want to share with you. But if you have questions, please get a hold of us. Let us know. Uh, give us a review. Uh, rate this. Share it. Uh, we're just thankful to bring you along on part of our journey, uncensored, unedited, 
It's real. It's raw. It's leading through a miracle. Part one. Uh, We'll see you next month for part two. Thank you for listening to the Larry Crawford Leadership Podcast. For more information or to download the leader guide for this episode, you can go to our website, larrycrawford.live. To get in touch with us, send us an email at leadership at larrycrawford.live.